Well, Merry Christmas Eve, everybody. Just wanted to welcome you, and thanks for joining us for worship tonight as we reflect upon the birth of Jesus, our Savior. And I don't know about you, but it is so good just to come together and just exhale for a moment. I don't know if you can relate to that, just kind of a busy season. Maybe you feel weary or worn out. Uh, Maybe this is just a difficult time of year because it reminds you of, of a loved one that's no longer here. Or maybe you're just trying to navigate complex and difficult relational issues. Maybe you just feel the pressure from work or parenting, and you just come in here tired. Well, I just want to encourage you tonight that you can just come and worship Jesus tonight. We can just come and sit at his feet and to be reminded of the true meaning of Christmas, which is about him. And in fact, I want to pray uh, to that end before uh, we jump in uh, tonight. God, we come to you, and Lord, we are just so excited about Christmas and, and all that that means. And yet, Lord, I pray as we focus our attention, as we reflect upon Jesus, Lord, help us not just to become aware of him, not just to admire Jesus, but to truly adore Jesus. God, remind us that this baby in the manger that we celebrate this time of year is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Meeting a celebrity or a popular figure can be a bizarre experience. If you've ever had this kind of opportunity to meet someone famous, you know it can be kind of like an out-of-body experience. Uh, Maybe you experienced this just kind of out in public randomly. You ran into somebody that's well-known, or maybe you're at an event and you had the opportunity to meet somebody uh, that's famous. It can be just kind of a weird encounter. I remember a couple years ago, uh, there was a big high school basketball AAU tournament in Westfield, and I heard that LeBron James's son was playing in it. And so I thought, man, maybe LeBron is there. So I went with some friends over there to watch some basketball, and, and we showed up there, and it is packed out. LeBron was definitely in the house. He was definitely there. And uh, we were trying to look for him and see where could he be, and he's massive, so he like stood out. And yet we couldn't get near to him. There was a kind of a sea of people around him, but we tried to get close to him. We tried to meet him. We got closer and closer and closer. And I noticed my heart starting to race a little bit. I noticed myself kind of getting nervous, wondering, what would I say to him if I met him? And yet I didn't get close enough. We got about 10 feet and kind of his crowd of people was right around him. So that was about as close as we could get. But I remember thinking to myself, why am I so nervous? Like, I'm a grown man meeting another man. Like, this shouldn't happen. But there's something about the presence of another person that can impact us. There's something powerful about presence. If you've ever had an encounter like that, you know that there's something about being near someone else that has the potential to shape you. I'm sure you've been there before, but other examples of the power of presence we encounter every day. Think about communicating with somebody. We know there's a difference between texting somebody or calling them on the phone or FaceTiming them or talking to them face-to-face in their presence, right? There is something powerful about presence, Now, why do I share that with you this evening on Christmas Eve? Well, I share that with you to remind us that the meaning of Christmas is centered on presence and not gifts, but the presence of being near someone and not some famous basketball player, not some celebrity, 
and not even family, friends, or loved ones, but Christmas is all about the presence of God coming near to us. If you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 18 through 25 uh, this evening, really focus on just one verse, verse 23, but I want to read this whole passage just so you can understand the context. Starting in verse 8, the word of God reads this way. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. This evening, on Christmas Eve, I want to draw your attention to verse 23, and I want us to focus on this idea, the idea of Emmanuel, God with us, and what that means for us this Christmas. In fact, if you asked me to sum up the true meaning of Christmas, I would choose those three words, God with us. And yet, in order for us to truly understand the meaning of Christmas, we need to understand why Jesus was given this title, was given this name, Emmanuel. And in order to understand that, we need to just zoom out for a moment and understand the story of the Bible. If you're new to the scriptures, or, or even if you're not new to the scriptures, one of the main themes of the Bible is God wanting to be near his people. Let me give you a couple of examples of that. If you go way in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, in the Garden of Eden, you've got Adam and Eve, and we notice that they are walking with God. They are in his presence. They have this intimate closeness with God. Unbelievable, right? Another example would be the Jewish people as they're fleeing from Egypt, as they're running away from Pharaoh, and you had the, the 10 plagues and, and the parting of the Red Sea, and they're, they're wandering through the lonely wilderness, but they're being guided and led by the presence of God through the fire and the cloud. That was everything for them. Another example would be the, the central role of temple worship for God's people in the Old Testament. God's presence, he dwelled in the temple there. And so God's people oriented their whole lives around temple worship because God's presence was so important. So we have example after example after example of the centrality of God's presence being a huge theme throughout the Old Testament. And yet, we also have example after example of God's people being exposed to the reality of living without God's presence. That back in the garden, Adam and Eve sinned, and they were casted out from God's presence. 
that the nation of Israel, were, they were taken into captivity, they were in exile, the, the temple where God's presence dwelled was destroyed. And, and in those moments, and in those seasons, those years, what we find God's people doing eventually is they begin to yearn for God's presence. They begin to, to long for God, that in the waiting and, and in the, the wondering, will God restore his presence here? They're desiring to be near with God. In fact, one of my favorite Christmas songs, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, there's a, a line in there that talks about this idea. It says, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. That's exactly what God's people were experiencing right before Jesus was born. That they were mourning. They were in this lonely period, wanting God's presence and yet feeling forgotten. They were wondering, will God restore his presence in the midst of our people? Will, will God actually remember his promise of Emmanuel, God, with us? And I share that with you this evening because I just wonder, I wonder if, if some of us can relate to that. That right now, underneath the, the, the holiday cheer and the busyness and everything that's going on, I wonder underneath that, is there a heart that's lonely tonight? Is there a heart that feels burdened? Is there a heart that, that feels forgotten by God? I wonder if you can relate to, to what God's people were feeling right before Jesus was born, this disposition of, will God restore his presence again? Look, if you're here this evening and you feel like that, I want to encourage you that that's okay to feel that way. It's okay to, to feel, at times, feeling like you're, you've been forgotten by God. That's exactly what God's people felt. And yet, let me encourage you, because Christmas reminds us that even though God's people felt that way, even though they were waiting for God to, 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 be, to come through with his promise of restoring his presence, they waited with hope. They didn't wait in despair. They were leaning in, waiting for God to fulfill his promise, this promise of Emmanuel, of God with us. That in the midst of hardship, in the midst of, of wondering, has God forgotten about us. God's people were whispering to each other, God will come again. And he did fulfill his promise. God did fulfill this promise of Emmanuel in Isaiah chapter 7, but he didn't do so by just sending a letter. He didn't do so by just sending an email or a text message. He didn't FaceTime Jesus. And no, no, no. He sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, in the flesh to fulfill this promise of God with us. John chapter one, verse 14, says it this way. It says, and the word referring to Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I love this theme of Emmanuel. I love this idea of, of God in Christ dwelling with us because it's a beautiful picture of God's closeness. 
that because Jesus came and he lived a life here on the earth, he was a 100% God and 100% man, took on flesh and blood and bones. He lived a life. Jesus understands that our lives oftentimes are not easy, that God understands our weaknesses, that God understands our struggles. He sympathizes with everything that we go through. In fact, God knows what it's like to be weary, to be worn out, to, to be stressed out through difficult conversations and sleepless nights and, and unexpected waves of grief and hardship. And yet, Emmanuel reminds us that God is not some distant deity up in heaven who is far from his people. But Emmanuel reminds us that God is near, that God is close, that God is right here because of Jesus. That Emmanuel reminds us that God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. You will never be alone. That God will comfort us no matter what we go through. In fact, God looks at your fears and your hardships and your times of, of doubting, and he responds to all of those things with the powerful promise, I am with you. Isn't that amazing? God responds to our hardship with himself, with the promise that he will never leave us or forsake us. See, what Christmas teaches us is to anchor all of our hopes, all of our longings, all of our waitings upon Jesus because he's the only one that's powerful enough, that's big enough to handle all of it and actually deliver. Look, I just wonder if during this Christmas season, I wonder if for some of us, our, our focus has been hijacked by kind of the holiday cheer. And I don't wanna sound like Scrooge right now, but, but sometimes, the parties and the gifts and the lights and the traditions, and those are good things in and of themselves, but sometimes they can be so essential during the season that it crowds Jesus out from being the focus. I don't know if you can relate to that. I don't know if you can be honest with yourself tonight. If that's what you're going through right now, where Jesus just kind of feels distant and you feel consumed with just the holiday traditions, look, I want to challenge you this evening. If you've been a Christian for decades, or if you're here this evening and you're not a Christian, you haven't been to church in forever, I wanna challenge you all the same to focus on the greater truth of Christmas, that the baby in the manger is God, that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the all-powerful creator of the universe. In other words, don't fall into the trap of domesticating Christmas by just focusing on the baby in the manger and that's it. But that baby in the manger, he grew up. He lived a sinless, perfect life and he accomplished his mission. Well, what was his mission? His mission wasn't the manger. That was only the beginning. His mission was the cross and the empty tomb. I want you to listen to this passage in Ephesians chapter two. This passage connects Jesus' mission on the cross with Emmanuel. Listen to this. It says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, 
alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Think about that for a moment. Verse 12 is describing all of us before Christ, that all of us were separated from Christ. All of us were alienated from God. All of us were strangers to these promises, having no hope without God in the world. That's all of us. And yet verse 13, and I would add, because of Emmanuel, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Look, the blood of Christ is a reference to Jesus Christ getting up on a cross and dying in our place so we can be forgiven. Look, the passage I read in the beginning, Matthew 1, verse 21, speaks to Jesus' mission. It says, She, Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Look, we need to be reminded this Christmas season, that the gospel is bigger than the nativity scene. That Christmas is a cosmic rescue operation intended to save you and to save me from our sins and to finally bring us near to God. Or maybe another way of thinking about the birth of Jesus. You can think about the incarnation of Jesus, Jesus being 100% God, 100% man, You can think about it as an invasion, that Jesus came to don peace and to declare war, war on sin and war against Satan, our enemy. Because that baby in the manger that we celebrate did grow up. He was sinless, and he was obedient to the Father, even to the point of death on a cross, dying in our place, so that we can have peace with God. I love how Charles Spurgeon describes uh, the, the Christmas season. He says, those little arms in the manger will one day grapple with the monster death and destroy it. Love that. Just like many of you, one of my favorite aspects of Christmas is the gift exchange. This is what almost all of us will do tomorrow morning. I, I love this because, you know, thinking through how to give a good gift is kind of an art, right? Right, husbands? Uh, something we should be learning and growing in, right? Figuring out, you know, what does this person want or what does this person need? And kind of thinking of a thoughtful gift, it's really kind of a great opportunity to serve and love others. But I also love receiving gifts, just to be honest with you. I love that, that moment of opening something up and, and seeing something and, and having that unexpected joy. I had this experience a couple weeks ago after a church service. This man came up to me and he had a gift that was wrapped And he came up to me right over here after the service, and he handed it to me, and he said, hey, Merry Christmas, Pastor. I want you to open this, and I want to see your reaction. And immediately, it made me a little bit nervous, like, what is in this thing that he wants to see my response? I opened it up, and it's this board game from, like, the 1970s or 80s, and it's titled The Rapture. And it made me laugh out loud. It's hilarious. Like, I opened it up, and I'm seeing all these spots because we just preached through the end times throughout the, the fall. And it, was, it just gave me joy because it was unexpected. And sometimes the best kind of gifts are the gifts that are unexpected. Look, let me share with you this evening the most unexpected and yet the most amazing gift exchange that's ever taken place 
in history. This gift exchange involves Jesus, and it happened 2,000 years ago, not in the manger, but on the cross. This gift exchange is the most amazing, outrageous, scandalous gift exchange ever. Because 2,000 years ago, as Jesus is hanging there on the cross, you gave him something, and then he gave you something in exchange. Well, what was it? What did you exchange with Jesus? What did that look like? Well, as Jesus is hanging there on the cross, you gave him your sin, you gave him your guilt, you gave him your condemnation, you gave him all of your small sins, all of your big sins, all of your secret hidden sins. You gave it all to Jesus. And Jesus, as he's hanging there on the cross 2,000 years ago, is dying in your place. Because the reality is, that should have been you up there. That should have been me up there paying for our sins. And yet, Jesus is receiving from us the penalty of our sin. And he died. And he paid the price in full. Well, that's not the end. That's just the beginning, because then Jesus gives us something. And this is the joy of Christmas. This is what gets me so excited about the Christmas story. I know we focus on the birth of Jesus, but the whole point in him coming is this moment where Jesus not only takes our sin, but Jesus gives us his righteousness and his perfection and his blamelessness and his perfect obedience. That's the gift exchange. Now, why is that important? That's important because the only people, the only people that get to go to heaven are perfect people. Jesus says in Matthew 5, be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. That in heaven, God's not going to accept any blemish, any sin. And unfortunately, that's the bad news of the Christmas story, that none of us are perfect, that we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's standard, except for one. This is the good news of Christmas. There's one person who is perfect. There's one person who is righteous, one person who is blameless, and his name is Jesus. And the Bible says if if you place your faith upon Jesus Christ, if you turn from your sins and trust in him and him alone for your salvation, then you receive the gift of his righteousness and his perfection. The Bible actually describes that you are actually now hidden in Jesus, that Jesus clothes you with his perfect righteousness so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your guilt and your shame and your disobedience. He sees you and he sees Jesus. He sees his perfect son and he accepts you and he loves you and he adopts you into his family forever and ever. This is the joy of Christmas. This is the great gift exchange, God sending his only son, Jesus, the best gift imaginable in order for us to be forgiven and to have eternal life with him. Someone else described it this way. It said that God's glory wrapped in flesh and dwelled among us so that we 
could be wrapped in his righteousness and dwell with God. This is why the angel said in Luke chapter 2, the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. This is the good news, the gift exchange. Do you give Jesus your sin? He gives you his salvation, all because of Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray together. God, we give you praise for Jesus. God, we are so, so very thankful that you did not leave us in our own sin and condemnation, but you sent your only son, Jesus, to come here, to put on flesh, to live a life that, Lord, that, that we, Lord, know very well is difficult and hard, and we face temptations, and yet Jesus faced all of that. He was sinless. He was perfect, and he got up on a cross, and he died in our place. God, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, as we reflect on the birth of Jesus, that he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. So we worship him during this Christmas season. We give you all the praise and the glory in his name. Amen.